0: Derek Hunter, my dear friend, how are hello, you doing hello. this evening?
1: I'm doing great. I've had lots of tea. It's the last uh, drug I allow myself to have. And um, it's something that uh, I um, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy and have, have had plenty of it all day long and just had drinking some right now. So I'm, 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 I'm rolling on a, on a hot tea high right now. and feeling great.
0: So was that, was that sardonic or do you consider tea a drug? Is that caffeine, basically? Well, yeah, the the, yeah. The, the
1: the the caffeine that's in the tea is you know that's the drug that I allow, allow myself to
0: be. Is there a want to be naked of all of that?
1: Not at this point in my life, no. Right. Yeah, I'm you really can allow att- some. Yeah, I'm really attached to to hot tea. You know, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it's something basically for the last year that I've had because. I have had issues with, um, with my stomach, with heartburn and stuff, uh, acid reflux. And, um, so I, my previous favorite thing was coffee and coffee really messes my my stomach up. And I was really, um, going through it because, um, I realized I had to stop drinking hot coffee. And then I discovered uh, last year that I actually really enjoy and love, um, black tea. And, uh, it was just, it was a really nice kind of, um, uh, a newfound uh, uh, romantic relationship that I now have with uh, hot tea.
0: When I had the privilege of you know meeting you in the flesh in, in Los Angeles, um, yeah. you were at the at the beginning of transitioning from, you know, obviously you were abstaining from you know alcohols and you know controlled substances, but you were in the process of really configuring your your you know your gut, guttural flora and uh you know figuring Uh out what to eat and stuff and i always wondered if it would come to a a militant you know need to be absolutely natural in the sense that you know there would be no caffeine eventually or there would be no sure sure
1: yeah i've considered that but um at this point i because tea doesn't seem is has not been causing me any problems um it um it's sort of like the last remaining crutch that I allow myself to have in life. Um, I was going to
0: say if you, uh, yeah, if you were militantly against tea, (laughs) yeah, that's kind of the least of your worries. Right. Yeah. uh, It's, it's,
1: it's, it's, yeah, it certainly has, if it's, if it's to be a guilty pleasure, I mean, certainly it's a very non-harmful guilty pleasure.
0: Well, you know, Derek, uh, I'm very privileged to talk with you, especially this being kind of one of your first, you were saying earlier, like actual video live streams. And right, you know, we, right. we were talking about the, uh, you know, the mechanics or the the minutiae of what a live stream is and having to be accountable, you know, for whatever spills out of you. And the thing I take from you and your work is very much that it's very much an accountability. It's very much a, a vulnerability and it's very much a, a, uh, a uh, you know a culmination of your life's transgressions but also what you do you know as a human being at three p.m on a Thursday you know what I mean? Right. Like you're one of the few that actually walks the talk. And I've always really appreciated that about you. Could you talk a little bit what what you do for a living?
1: Sure, sure. Um and thank you for saying that. You know, it's something that I think um I think it's really important to understand that, um, like being phony or being, uh, untrue or being unreal is something that is always present. And I think that, um, you know, for me, the pursuit of being genuine and being authentic is something that, um, has been very important to me. Um, but I also know, like, I also know that, uh, I am, I am not with it with, you know, far away from the parameters of being inauthentic at times. And, you know, just like we all can be, you know, we all can be phony. We can all be inauthentic. And, um, but I think the pursuit of that is really important in really being uh, present in, 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 the, in as much as possible with the people that I'm around, whether it be online right now with you or uh, at my job. So, you know, I, I got into the helping field as a, a drug and alcohol counselor, um, because of my own issues with addiction to hard substances and with with alcohol and uh, I realized that if I was going to abstain from these things because I realized after a number of years that I had to um, that one of the ways uh, not the only certainly not the only way, but one of the ways that would really help me to remain sober and, and live a life. Uh, uh, Of abstinence from hard drugs and alcohol was to help other people uh, who are struggling with the same issues. So I got into that, went back to school for a couple of years, uh, took classes on group dynamics and psychology and drug and alcohol, substance abuse. And um, then eventually, you know, started working in the field as an intern and got paid for it. And then eventually uh, come as August 1st, uh will be my my uh, third year anniversary uh working for the Amity Foundation which is a uh, a great organization that's been around since 1969 uh and is a what is their modality is called a teaching and therapeutic community and uh one of the great ironies that I found myself in when I first started working there was that um the word community to me was I was very hostile to that word And I was very hostile to that because to me, community uh, represented um, oppression of some kind because I was very individualistic and I still am very individualistic. But uh, one of the things I realized in my own, you know, uh, personal growth was that I had to allow myself to be uh, held accountable, um, not only by myself, but by other people um, that I was had to be responsible for myself and that I was part of something else too that was bigger than myself Um, and that really really has helped me tremendously in my personal issues Um, so for me uh, you know a lot of what really in order to be you know I think uh, an effective counselor there's a lot of different things that have to you know go into place and so for the the, the, my current job which is for the Foundation, uh, we help guys coming out of prison who are um, and, and specifically the guys that I help are guys who are still uh, technically incarcerated, and they have ankle monitors on, so they are part of a, a program where they stay with us and, get, and receive treatment. And before the coronavirus situation happened, they were able they were allowed to go out and get jobs and save money, because normally when people leave prison, they at the gate they're given. gate money and, and basically, you know, wish you luck. And then that's the reason why a lot of guys, you know, they go straight to the street and they go back to what they know. And usually within 24, 48 hours, they're back doing what they did before, you know? And so there's no time really for them to acclimate themselves into society, uh, work on their issues uh, with violence, with drug addiction, uh, their issues with communication Um, with resentments and things like that. And so in order for me to help these guys um, live a happier life, uh, it's really important that I focus on my own well-being and my own, you know, emotional uh, center. And so uh, one of the things, like I'm not called a a counselor, I'm called a uh, demonstrator. So I'm supposed to demonstrate behaviors and thinking and ways of being Which they these guys are not called inmates. They're not called clients. They're called uh, students.
0: Right. That inherently implies a responsibility, you know, to uh, be kind of like a paragon for what you're talking about, a demonstrator. Right. You have. Yeah. yeah,
1: Exactly. You have to actually live and breathe what you're preaching. You know, it's not just it's not just about telling people what to do. You have to actually do it. And uh, I really identified with it. You know, this is why. um, You know, I'm quite happy working for this organization, uh, the the people who who created it and who are still in charge of it, my supervisors, coworkers, you know, it, uh, my ideal would be to make a a living with my writing, of course, uh, with Love Chaos, but I'm very realistic. I'm a very pragmatic and practical person. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, that is, I'm quite fine with that uh, never being the case and being fine with working for organizations like the Amity Foundation. Uh, Because I, in that process of uh, working in that field, I'm able to live out the philosophy of love chaos.
0: I was going to say it's, I mean, also just a really quick side tangent today, the word community as a, uh, you know, a, a triggering kind of euphemism for something negative has come up a lot. And especially in the last stream I did, and it's been kind of a continuous joke it's called the c word you yeah know? and I, I this is one of the, i think now it's the time that i'm going to listen to the synchronicity and reconsider my use of it <laughs> because uh-huh. everyone else has this really uh you know in uh a uh, deep connection to kind of the you know uh autonomous or how do i put it? not autonomous actually quite the opposite automaton type configuration of the word so i, I thought that was really interesting but what I really wanted to ask you is like, was there a a certain event and there's, you know, I'm not looking for a right answer, but there's a way that I'm kind of surveying this from people that have, you know, kind of pushed through the, the big transgressions of habit and, and, uh, you know, toward lifestyles, was there a certain event that clicked it? Was there like a, a, a certain situation that kind of woke you up?
1: uh yeah there was yeah there was I would say it it wasn't something that happened my the the click or my sort of like the light turning on Mm -hmm. it it didn't happen at the time I was experiencing the situation it was sometime afterwards when I was reflecting on it and looking back on it and what it was yeah it, it was definitely it was I don't remember how much into the future it was I don't I don't know when it happened, but there was one event that basically was the thing that made me realize that I had a serious problem. And uh, it, it was actually so act-
0: haunting. You had to. Yeah. 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 So, it,
1: well, yeah. Yeah.
0: I was just sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say that I'm surveying this because I think that the idea that folks that are in this turmoil, you know, they always talk about, you know, hitting rock bottom or, you know, I there there's that comedian who says you know oh there's that you know you wake up next to a goat and you stop drinking you know what i mean Right. like <laughs> there's there's this idea that there's this event that changes you and i think i think honestly i think that's a, a dangerous thing to expect when you're going through the turmoil oh sure there right? has to be and there probably won't be if you're lucky enough to maneuver through it for a long time right so i always wonder for people that have you know push through those transgressions if they if they can solidify a certain event or a certain you know situation that really you know push them forward but you know you saying that it was like a haunting memory that kind of stayed with you and yeah it took, it took time right it took time, it took before time. You were, yeah
1: yeah it wasn't right away i think what's really important too is not necessarily like how intense the experience is it's more about how it affects you So, you know, there's, there's plenty of people and you know, I'm working with people, you know, who've done horrible things or have had horrible things done to them and they don't change, you know? So it's like they could kill someone or someone close to them dies, or they spend decades in prison and they still haven't changed their way of thinking or acting. So it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, I don't think it should be dependent on the intensity of the experience. It's more about how that experience affects you.
0: Has this kind of changed your, is there an absolute kind of idea? I know knowing you, there really isn't an absolute. I think you're a very prime agnostic with a lot of things. You allow a lot of doubt and other things to help you. But I wonder if like your work with these people in that caliber, people that have caused a bunch of, you know, uh, or murdered someone and then just uses, you know, the punishment, Uh, you know to to be pissed off to go do it again like has that changed your idea of humanity is do you think that people can can change or do you think that there's just something inherent that we actually have to like maneuver against to change
1: oh no i definitely i i think what's great about working the field that i do work in is that i see change happen firsthand right i it is totally you know um i think um What's really, you know, what really is, is, is great about working as a counselor and helping people is, I think so oftentimes we a lot of times people get burnt out. Um, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm nearing the point where people are supposed to get really burnt out the year five.
0: Oh, wow. That's, I mean, that's a long time.
1: And so, yeah. And, and I, and I could see why people do. Um, and I think it is because the majority of times people relapse. Uh, people fall back to old behaviors and old ways of being. Um, so th- like the majority of times, that's what happens. Um, but that's not like all the time. And I also think, you know, what does help having a- an agnostic point of view on on life and having a um, sort of seeing view and viewing life in a non-absolutist kind of way is that um, even for those people, you know. Uh, there was a guy who early on in uh, my time at Amity, uh, he was actually a student for um, another demonstrator. And I did a few circles with him, you know, group, group work with him, had some conversations with him. And he was, you know, a, a, a longtime gang member. And uh, he um, had spent a lot of years in prison. Uh, and uh, I had some really great conversations with him. And, uh, he was someone who was not, I would say my favorite person I interacted with. There are certain things about him that, you know, kind of bothered me, but, um, but there was moments where I really saw some humanity come through, you know, and, uh, not too long after, I think about a year after he got released with, from us, uh, he actually went into a, a bowling alley, uh, got into some argument with somebody pulled out a gun and blew away and killed a bunch of people you know and uh and it it was in the news here locally uh and it was and there was some attention that was put on um on us and some blame you know and uh and and the 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 the, they actually blamed the wrong counselor (laughs) they had they had this lady's name and it was like wait that wasn't his counselor you know (laughs) Um, but, uh, but so I would say, you know, though, I I really feel like, I don't know, like when I, you know, so often we, you know, for people who know about recovery, who know about, um, the 12 steps are about people going in and in and out of, 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 of treatments and rehabs and stuff. And, um, there, there's, there's this kind of, and this is, can be true of a lot of things in society, um where this is kind of this, this emphasis placed on like, if the person doesn't have uh, um, complete sobriety for the rest of their life and complete abstinence for the rest of their life, do not, does not commit any crimes does, you know, is just this perfect saint basically. If they're not that, then they're a failure. And I, and I, you know, and I, and I think that's really um, just like, just a really wrong way of looking at our society because it just puts, Really unrealistic expectations on people uh, and on situations in our society, and we were we're not really viewing things in how I think it really works.
0: Right, it's very absolutist.
1: Yeah. So, like, you know, so for this for this one guy, for example, was he was his life a failure? Well, certainly, you know, after spending all those years in prison and then coming to us and spending a year with us and seemingly getting better. And then going out a year later and then killing a bunch of people in a bowling alley, you know, it's, you know, certainly that that is a failure in a way. But at the same time, I would say, like, if you look at the, his whole life and you look at the things that he he did experience and certainly the, some of the conversations that I had with him, uh, which I enjoyed and I, I, I could see a real humanity in the guy. Um, and And he's just one of many where I, you know, encounter a lot of these guys. And uh, and then yeah, sad to hear, you know, uh, uh, some of them will, you know, go and and go back to old ways of being not too long after being with us. But I really I I, I don't know I I I don't think that's a failure uh, on our part or on society's part or on the part. It's as
0: simple too as like a year after years in prison, a year of transition isn't good enough. You know. Right. Probably. I don't know. But uh, yeah. I think this is part and parcel to, you know, your your philosophy of life. And this is, you know, what love chaos is. And this brings us very conveniently, you know, to your your new book and, and the, uh, the metaphysical, uh, you know, philosophy that you purvey is, you know, I think not only like in debt to your life and, you know, pushing through those transgressions, but moving into helping people through it? And I was, you know, this, this is the boring question, but I was hoping that you could, you know, talk a little bit about what love chaos is to people that that don't know.
1: Sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's so, um, it, so it, it should be understood that, you know, love chaos is something that is, is open to everyone. And there's just a few, uh, uh, guiding principles that are sort of required. Um, there's a lot of freedom, uh, to be, to, to people can do and um you know and even if people just want to take things here and there and just like well that's interesting and you know I like that and that and somehow finds a way for it to affect a person's life uh makes a person think in a different way you know um I'm not uh looking to um get um tons of followers to sign up to anything you know there's no there's real no there's no like I, I'm really not looking to make money off of it it's not something I'm really doing to try to you know I'm not like a new L. Ron Hubbard or something trying to start Scientology or something it's
0: it's not a movement in the way that you need other people to subscribe or anything
1: right exactly you know I'm not really you know uh, uh, it's just that you know for me for so long I've been looking for something in life that could kind of give me some guidance. And I've gone through a lot of different phases. You know, uh, I was even a Christian for a couple of years, uh, like the age of 19 to 20. And uh, then I was, uh, you know, doing other things as well. And, and um, agnosticism has always kind of like been something that has really appealed to me and made sense to me. And uh, it was something my father, my biological father was an agnostic. Um, And so for the last nine years of his life, Uh, he died in 2005, the same year that my, my son was born. Uh, we had a really close relationship. Um, and he really showed me how a life of, of doubt. Uh, he actually, in the last play he wrote, uh, he was he was one of those people who's really great about talking about his ideas, but would never put them to paper. And so I was always pushing, I'm, I'm like kind of the opposite. It's like, I have to produce things. I have to see things to, to their end. So he actually came up with uh, this, an idea for a, a religion, and he called it uh, the Church of Many Doubts. And so he, uh, uh, it's in his last play, and, and on, my web, on the Love Chaos website, there's a page dedicated to him. It's called uh, JWD, which stands, initials for his name, John uh, Wisdom Dancer. And um, in large part, you know, I, I'd have to say that, you know, uh, he's one of the biggest influences uh, on on love chaos, um, because in many ways, that's what love chaos is about. He was a very uh, loving and compassionate person. So love was very important to him. Um, But uh, the basic premise of love chaos is that uh, it views uh, life, uh, existence, the nature uh, of the universe is inherently uh, chaotic. It's inherently unpredictable. Uh, and for good for bad and for neutral um and uh it's not love chaos doesn't see chaos as as inherently like bad and 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 usually people when they refer to chaos is it's something that's bad it's destructive and in this philosophy it's it doesn't view it as 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 inherently bad it can be and it's also not it isn't, it's not inherently good either it's just that it is what it is and it, it um it kind of it's something that you know, like when you think you have like uh, something within your grips and you've got it really tightly and then it just finds ways to slip out through your fingers in terms of you understanding something. Um, that to me is what life is, is that, right. we are, you know, we're constantly going through experiences and, uh, having the rug pulled from under our feet. And, uh, and I don't think that's always bad. It can be painful. It can be torturous. Um, but I think what can help is um, living a life where you are uh, working with that. And the best way for me to work with that is with love, uh, is living your life, uh, being motivated by love for other people, for yourself. And um, that is... And also
0: literally loving chaos, like allowing it to, uh, you give it credence in a way that it was, <clears throat> you would automatically just you know deter from or something it's it's i always took from it that it's very like it's passionate about the uh the hardships too it's passionate about the you know uh that old adage that uh you know uh you know life happens when you're making plans kind of thing right yeah Yeah.
1: it definitely does you know i think um i think yeah certainly loving chaos is is um it's sort of basically loving life is how i would say it you know and um and then and so that's the basic premise uh to love chaos and uh you know from there there's like three steps there's you know love chaos in in people's daily lives like how do you you know how do you live a life of love chaos in a a daily basis and then there's uh psychological uh tools uh which are very simple um you know really you know if, if, if people read the books they'll see that you know what I'm putting forth is something really anyone can understand and practice.
0: I think that's why I love it so much. Uh, It's got a very uh, simplistic tenor about it or timber. And it's very, it's not pompous or overwrought with, you know, vernacular, you know, uh, you know, academia. It's very much for, you know, commuting with like the simplest language of the self, you know,
1: it, it, yeah, it's, it's something that I—I—that I, I, was my my goal. I think even from the beginning, even from 2014 when it first started, um, that was my goal: was to create something that was simple. Um, and um, maybe it's because with my writing in fiction, uh, I write very and, and um, I write stories that are um, explore very surreal terrain. Uh, they 're based in reality on relationships and earthy experiences but there's a lot of um i use, i subvert language and i go out, I go out there and it goes into weird places and i and i for for a number of reasons i just I, with my nonfiction work I wanted it to be the opposite I wanted right. it to be just you know very straightforward and it's, uh, it 's also too just you know i i, I there 's so much in the occult that I love uh and Aleister Crowley uh, and Austin Osman Spare are are heroes of mine and uh and uh but they both were really hard to
0: understand. <laughs> well yeah and, absolutely uh,
1: yeah and I found that there's a lot in the occult that is that way. Kenneth Grant is just really difficult to understand and yeah. you know and, and fortunately with chaos magic that became more straightforward, you know, I think and uh that's what maybe appealing. a
0: little too straightforward.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah maybe so definitely definitely.
0: But uh, so, okay, so you, you published the first book, Love Chaos, and it was more of like a testament to what it is. And like you were saying, the, you know, how to implement it in your, you know, kind of daily or like a, how it's, uh, how would it put it? It was more of like the, a grand summary of, of the idea. The second book, Love Chaos and Theory and Practice was, you know, how to implement it. Yeah. And then here we are with, you know, the grimoire. Uh, the End of the World, the Love Chaos Grimoire for the Survival and Evolution of Human Beings. So what I'm interested in, I knew I always knew that you were working on the third book. And before COVID happened, before 2020, you know, punched us in the gut. Like right. uh, where where did this idea for the end of the world you know, come in like how, why, why make it so uh, not dramatic. is not the right word, but why, why choose to use that, that term?
1: Well, I, I I really think it comes back to being a father. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and this was, so, you know, I, I think if people can remember uh, back to last year um, you know, the climate change situation has been something that's been pretty dire for a while. It's not it's not anything new, but certainly last year we were sort of you know, you know with Greta Thunberg and and a lot of other people just coming out and being really uh, vocal in their uh, and voicing like hey, you know this this could be it like hey right. we do need to do something about this. Um, <laughs> that that to me was like, you know, in uh, being a father and, and like hey like this here's this this young woman or girl teenager who's, you know, going around the world and, and, and and voicing her opinion is around the same age as my son. And, um, you know, just thinking like, what, what, you know, is going to be in, in, in my son's future and, and in his generation's future and his kid's future, you know, and, um, I've always felt like magic is something that can really, you know, um, have enormous possibilities. And, um, and, I, and I, I've always, as I write in the book, for the last 10 years, my magical practice has been focused on me. And it's been focused on me getting better, me getting over my addiction to hard drugs and alcohol, to cigarettes, um, working on my issues, uh, working on my writing. Uh, you know, it's always been revolved around me. And, uh, and I think that's great. I think that magic can be used for that. And I think that should be used for uh, individual betterment, um, whether that's psychological or personal or transcendent, working with deities. Um, however it is, I, I think that's really valuable. But um, after 10 years of that, I, and, I, and, I, and, and after this sort of like this current, the last five, 10 years or so of, of this sort of grimoire revival, which for a while just didn't appeal to me, you know, uh, 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 and, uh, and, you know, I also talk about it in the book, like my first sort of coming across it was, you know, the, uh, um, uh, the key of Solomon and right. uh, translated by Mathers and edited by Crowley. And I, I was influenced by their perspective on it as being kind of lowly and, and, you know, and then coming across it in other areas, just certain things about it just didn't appeal to me, but then, just over the years just feeling like well what if what if we could interact with spirits and ask them to do things but not ask them to do um you know find a treasure for me or make this girl fall in love with me or put a curse on this person or you know whatever other thing that i just constantly seem to see what grimoires are used for which you know certainly i think there's a space for that and i think that it's if people want to do those things that's fine um but the the obsession with like these these goals of asking spirits to do things that to me seem very um trivial. in the scope of yeah kind of <laughs> trivial you know and like well if we're working with these beings that to me you know are a higher dimensional beings who are operating in a field that really pro- really does transcend our capacity to understand existence why not ask them to do bigger things why not yeah. ask them you know like why not ask them to do something like hey let's find a way to survive let's find a way to evolve um because you know and i i, I since my teens i have really felt strongly that you know again like being agnostic i had taken into the consideration that it just could be completely in our heads But that there's something there that's communicating to us, Um, spirits or whatnot. There's another reality there that's operating um, that maybe can be explained in materialist ways too. Maybe it's not spiritual, but there's something that's communicating to us. And uh, I've always felt like as a writer, uh, it's really important to open up our ears to those voices and to put them to paper. So when I turn to this ritual, I, I turned it in a way where I would do a number of things I've never done before, but uh I would turn to it in a way that I was somewhat used to uh ever since my teens and being an artist and being opening myself up to this other realm. And uh that's sort of how it started, you know, was just why not? And like I never done a, a ritual this for six days straight, I never done a ritual I, you know, for that long. Um, and, and involving a number of things. And uh, so it, it was something that it, the first, the, sort of the beginning of it was just realizing I wanted to do a ritual that was for something bigger than myself, something that would benefit my son uh, and, and his future. And also um, why not for something big like making sure that human beings survive because um, I really feel that we, we have just touched the surface of things and human beings have a lot more to explore.
0: I always understood it too. When I saw the end of the world, I almost immediately knowing love chaos and the past couple of books you released and how much we've talked about it. I immediately thought of an internal end to a succession of, of bad choices or, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, com- confusing and crooked, you know, pathways away from, you know, maybe your intent or whatever. And <clears throat> what it, it it made me think of like the end of the world as you know it. And I feel fine kind of thing. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, But like, it's uh yeah. To me, it's, it's always been at the, at the worst, and maybe the base standard of magic, you know, at the most, like just trivial nomenclature, it's, it's a great way to, you know, commune with your subconscious, which that alone is a great practice. You know, if you're right. actually, you know, uh, communing with other deities and everything that's a plus that's great but you know in, in its right. most basic form like just the psychological uh aid that it, that you know prayer gives that ritual gives the ceremony gives that uh you know for once kind of uh it, it's it's not a victimhood but it's it's more of an appeasement or a surrender to you know, to something outside of yourself, you know, so I've been talking so much about brain chemistry as that, you know, uh-huh. and um, but the the great thing about your and it's called a grimoire, too. And I always want I wanted to talk about this when I had first read the book, I was uh, my initial reaction was taken aback because, you know, I hope this isn't a spoiler alert, but this is not a how to <laughs> this is this is not a how to do rituals to find blah, 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 blah. And uh, I had come across, I was on a, a recent program where I was being accosted with uh, questions about how to do the things I was doing to be where I was. And my absolute reaction was like, don't fucking listen to me. Like I don't want to tell you what to do. Cause I, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. You know? <laughs> so I think it's really fascinating that you composed a grimoire and it's the I think what the machinations of people think what a grimoire is 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 missing from it, mm-hmm, right? And could you talk a little bit about why you uh you you kept that out of there?
1: Sure. Well, my, my original intention was not to do that. Mm-hmm. My original intention was to do now, okay, here we go on day one. <laughs> this is what I did, and this is what you should do, and this, right. and this is what happened, and then, so I started writing the book that way. And, uh, and I talk about this in the book, too. Um, so uh, I, I, I feel very strongly that, uh, again, if spirits do exist, and, um, and I do have this belief, right, well, you know, being agnostic, as much of a belief I, as I can have, that I have this, what's called, what I call a higher dimensional being. It's like my conscience, um, the 12 step.
0: Super-self.
1: Yeah, it's like the, what the 12-stepers would call a higher power. Uh, there's a holy daemon uh, you know, all these other terms, holy guardian angel, it's this thing that is, is like speaks to me and I feel like everyone has it. Um, it's our conscious. It speaks to us through our gut. And, uh, if we pay attention to it, I think we can, we can hear it's, it's message pretty clear. And, uh, as I was writing the steps and I was writing page after page of what I did, you know, what happened uh, for each day. And I, as I was writing more and more and it was writing a lot, Right um, something kept on telling me not to do this. Um, something kept on telling me that this was wrong. Um, that what I was doing, it it was, was something that, um, was exposing something that was very intimate. And it was bizarre to me at first, because this was a ritual that wasn't just for me. It was for something way beyond me. So I thought, well, this is horseshit. Like, why would I be hearing this voice? It must be a voice that's trying to fuck with me, you know? And, um, and so uh, I had a number of issues too, because originally I was also planning on making it a big book. Um, like my, I have a big book that's like eight and a half by uh, eight, half by 11. Uh, it's it's uh, called Black and it's got full color paintings on the inside by uh, my mentor and friend, uh, Eric Fiazzi. Uh, beautiful paintings by him, and I really love the way that they're inside those books, and it really helps those books tremendously, and his art is in, are the, on the covers to all my books and are on my website and so forth, and I was planning on having his paintings uh, that he did before I did the ritual be uh, something that would be a, a, accompany the words that were spoken to me by these spirits that I conjured up, and so these these paintings would represent these spirits that I worked with. And uh, so I was planning on doing that and I spent uh, just a lot of time uh, uh, and, and it was during a three week period where I couldn't go to work because I had uh, coronavirus symptoms. So I was working on, I was, I was basically every single day for those three weeks working on the book, writing it and writing it and also working on the formatting of it. And I kept on running into problems uh, with trying to include the paintings, the sigils, Um, I did, uh, uh, I I think, probably close to 100 sigils in total for the whole thing. I spent a lot of time on the sigils. Um, And so I did it uh, in black ink and also in red ink in the book that I used to write the words that were spoken to me. Um, So... You know, I was working on it, and and so as I was kept on working on it and, uh, and I kept on hearing this voice to not give out the details of the ritual uh, at, over time, I started to really consider that maybe there was something that was was speaking to me that I, li- I should listen to and so I thought about it and I, and I thought, well then th- this might be something that's telling me that i I really should pay attention to this voice and uh, and I was trying to wonder well why. And uh, and I realized that, you know, like I call this book a call to action and it's something that I really hope does help want to, you know, have people do uh, uh, rituals that would help a human being survive. And I really felt like if I were to put out all the details of every single thing that I did or even an outline of the things that I did, um, I think it would be, to me, it would take away Um, from encouraging people to do it their way. Because to be honest, like real, true, really effective magic has to be uh, individualized um, to me. You know, it it cannot be copied. You cannot do it the way someone else can. We can learn from other people and we can certainly uh, understand things and it can help us tremendously how people do things. But Whenever I've read books uh, on on, on occult rituals, everything that has always informed my work or helped me the most was not the details of what Crowley did or what Austin Spare did or 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 Phil Carroll or uh, uh, Phil Hine or Peter Carroll or who God knows who else. It wasn't exactly like the the details of what they did that was that really influenced me. It was their whole way of being, how they viewed life and how their view of life informed their work, and how the, their magical practice became a part of who they were. It wasn't just some exercise, like here I'm going to go to yoga class, and here we go, we're going to do this position, and that position, and this position.
0: Right, just paying a toll or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, right, and I think that really it, it, the, me- the mechanics of a ritual are important, but you have to figure out which mechanics work for you.
0: well this is the beauty that the the book transformed to me because i think you know grimoire is such a it's a loaded word for us you know practitioners or whatever so we we automatically kind of assume what it is but after reading it and coming across this you know beautiful excerpt even there's you know there's a chapter that says rituals and then there's you know your paragraph going you know i'm 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 listening to my gut and not putting these in here. That's when the book truly transformed to me. And it kind of transcended the idea of just a typical grimoire. It was like, no, this is a celebration of someone, you know, really intentfully and passionately, like putting all of these beautiful ingredients and and meaning behind every part, every parcel of, you know, what they're doing. And I think that's the message, you know? The message is that yeah you have to imbue so much you know uh of your of your own self in a, in a ceremonial setting or you know to create you know this magnanimous meaningness meaningfulness you know and uh i really yeah i just exactly. i loved i love that that transition that you know that light you know punching the back of my eyes going holy shit he just just deconstructed a grimoire <laughs> you know. <laughs> I was like, "All right, now I get the book," you know, but yeah. uh, it's beautiful. It's an absolute celebration, and the minutia and the uh, you know, yeah, just the sheer intent of just the ingredients, like not even the the dance or the ceremony, but just what all comes before that, you know. And uh, right. it's it's beautiful, and it's it's very artistic in the sense that I think you know you transpose that to other works of art you do I think a lot of us do and like that's easy to translate and how cool it is to read how somebody else imbues their ingredients in their art so
1: it's been it it reminded me of the like that kind of experience of listening to this voice and telling me don't write about this right it reminded me of times when I would write about personal experiences of relationships I had Um, Mm -hmm. you you know romantic relationships or with friends or family and a lot of my fiction is very personal and I, I really do bear a lot. Like I I talk about some really painful experiences in my life and for other people. And so I do bear my soul a lot. I really value people that do it. It's one of the things that I love about you so much. Um, and I think that that's really valuable, but there've been times where I could hear a voice telling me, you know what, Derek, don't, don't write about that. You know, um, And it's it's you know for someone like myself, my initial sort of um, thing that tells me is to just just let everything out, let everything out of the bag, everything that's inside me, everything that I've gone through, just let it all out.
0: I was going to say it may take a while before I hear the voice saying not to do that, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I but I think that's been part of my part of my my for me part of what has helped me tremendously recently is to be able to monitor some things that my my what I think is my gut is telling me to express or to share but it, it uh, if I listen carefully there are times where it's like well no you know it's better not to share that you know certain things have um, a value to them in just being secret and that uh, and it was it was really painful because i want, there were some things that happened in those 6 days that i i want to share with people you know like they're just like they were mind blowing, you know, and um, it was really hard, you know, it was really difficult, but it was like this commitment It's like, and I think that's really important for people to understand is that we do have a relationship with these entities, whether they exist or not, whether in our heads or not. And I think if you can make a commitment to these entities um, and is sincere and is genuine and you're loyal to them, I think that you start to see how um, that can benefit you. Um, And I I think early on in my occult practice, I didn't see that. I didn't see Mm -hmm. the value of that, you know, and I and whenever I would read about that or hear about that, of keeping things certain things secret. I thought that there was some ulterior motives involved. I thought it was people in positions of power wanting to hold on to power. But in in recent straight
0: half acid, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I start to see that there's actually more to it than just people holding on to power. That sometimes secrets are valuable on a personal level.
0: On a Um, personal level. Yeah, absolutely. That's really profound considering that I think there's this like ongoing dismantling. I mean, I think even maybe you're a part of it or at least the, uh, you know, the idea of the occult being some secret society or cabal that, you know, some initiatory process or, you know, gang of or gaggle of goofs, as I've, I've said. Well, yes, yeah,
1: cer- certainly. I think that it, recent modern occult uh, practices are uh, a sort of a dismantling of that. Right. Uh, I mean, we're really part of. I, uh, probably, you could go back to the late 1800s. Certainly, Aleister Crowley was big in terms of making things uh, secret public, right. and uh, and I think that we we're all kind of inheritors of that. Chaos magic, obviously, is very much so, and 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 right now, I mean, it's just, uh, so many people practicing, uh, 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 whether it's witchcraft or magic, you know, and it's becoming out there, you know, there's like TikTok witches, I think now. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I've, I, I've heard that story. I, w- I was so late to that and just completely an idiot giving my opinion on Twitter about what I ascertained was going on. Uh-huh. I'm- like yeah, fucking hex the moon. It'll be all right. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's not going to affect anything. It was more, I think, and this is part and parcel to the to what we're talking about. Using this as a as an example, it was the backlash that these like quote unquote baby witches got for hexing the moon. And then I I've, I saw Instagram comment comments going, and you wonder why the world is fucked. Oh, you wonder why? Blah blah blah. I was like, "Are you really giving that power? This is insane!" Like, right? <laughs> and I think yeah. that's what, that's that's when currents disrupt. That's when people put too much stock and the uh, you know, the agenda or the academia of a current, you know, and think that it actually, you know, they that gives it weight enough to blame or to be a victim of, you know, um, right
1: right 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 well we certainly live in a very blame culture you know yeah and sometimes it's and sometimes there is some valid some validity to the blame too for sure you know i think
0: so Uh, when do you think uh, that 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 comes in though when it comes to magic when do you think and i i talk to i talk about this with a lot of people like the hex like what what is your idea of the hex or hexing
1: well um what you know, as you know, I, I've, I've talked to you before about. Uh, I, I I think highly of, of of the scarlets, the the couple that do um, the publishing company uh, Scarlet Imprint.
0: Of course, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, uh, Peter Gray and and Alkastis, uh Demetch. and um, and I have I, I have some differences in terms of my philosophy and the way I do things from them, but certainly they both have been huge influences on me and, and many others, and, and and you know not only with their own writing but other books that they publish. But um one of the things that I liked about Peter Gray reading about him like years ago was he he had this uh uh it we it's in the brazen vessel, but this essay called Rewilding Witchcraft. And it talks about how there's a, been, been a problem mostly because of the uh a, a Wicca uh is being like, you know, do no harm, like uh, you know, you can do whatever you want, uh, but just don't do don't don't do any harm to anyone. And um so I, and he was kind of like, you know, farting at that and saying, you know, that's bullshit. You know, like, you know, there's nothing, we have to, st- we have to be strong and we have to be, uh, if Defensive. we have,
0: to, yeah.
1: yeah, we, we, we shouldn't be, you know, pussies, you know? And um, so I, I like that. I like that stance. And I think that is something that um, I feel strongly about too. Like we shouldn't try, if we're practicing uh, magic for a occult practitioner's, uh or, or witches or whatever we want to call ourselves we shouldn't we shouldn't be trying to be accepted uh by other religions and i i agree with 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 Peter gray on that like there's a problem with the pagan community or the wicked community and trying too hard to fit in with other religions, you know
0: especially and, the eye for an eye adage and yeah all that yeah
1: well well, no, I mean like in terms of like so like this you know saying trying to put forth that, Hey, what we do is really sweet and innocent and there's no, right.
0: okay. there's
1: no, there's no harm in it. You know, like it, we're really just not, we're really nice people and blah, blah, blah.
0: We're the protagonists and, of history.
1: Yeah. Right. Or that, you know, sure. Um, so, so I, I, I definitely, uh, am with people on, on that end who want to continue to make the occult or magic or witchcraft, um, edgy and, 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 and basically something of the outsider uh, that we don't have to be accepted. Uh,
0: Yes. You know,
1: it's, and so then if that means then having a strong stance and saying, having within our uh, practice, the capacity to do harm to other people, I think that, you know, for me, I, I like to focus on love and, and from, for other people as much as possible but uh i am i'm not a uh um i'm not a a believer in um turning the other, turning cheek. The other
0: cheek yeah yeah
1: <laughs> and so um so but so as far as hexing goes you know i i don't really feel like it's necessary to put a curse on someone or hex <clears> someone i think that's like a lot of wasted energy
0: i, I think, think you know oh yeah. sorry well on.
1: just just real quick to wrap it up for for, for this it, it, I think there are ways, and it's primarily psychological, yes, where we can deal with negative influences, stand up for ourselves, and uh, put a certain intent—not uh, necessarily to do harm to another people, but to let them know, "Don't fuck with me," you know. And I yeah. th- think that you know, I think that there's nothing wrong with that, but to to go and do a whole ritual, we're putting a lot of time and energy and attention. On doing, on doing a hex or doing a curse on people, I, on, I, on, I honestly think is a waste of time. And uh, I think that people should find other ways to, if you're having problems with people or if people are bothering you, just find other ways to deal with them.
0: Just punch them in the jaw. That's right, there you go. <laughs> no, but like, I, you know, I, I truly believe that there are, you know, the psychological ramifications of thinking and putting forth all your will and effort through all this pomp and ceremony to conform or disrupt the will of somebody else is like hex enough like it, you yeah. are maddened like you you you've, you've succumbed like this this person is living rent-free in your brain kind of thing I, it,
1: it's someone that needs to work on their issues with resentment
0: right yeah i mean, I mean that, honestly, that's uh, that's it, not to say that I, I agree with you i think there is a time when uh you know, if there's, if there's a caliber of knowledge that a person works with, you know, metaphysical tools and stuff. Yeah. There's a, there's a caliber to defend yourself or at least, you know, I don't know, protect from their fucking negative juju. <laughs> it, it,
1: it, it, it reminds me a lot of like the guys that I work with who are very, um, very strong, tough guys, but they're also very insecure. Right. And it, you know, and they, they're constantly, they're not constantly, they're, they often will tell me, well, Derek, if someone says something to me, they calls me a bitch, you know, I can gonna kill them. them. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to kick their ass or something. Right. And I feel like and I, I, I tell them, I say, look, honestly, like I understand there may be times uh, you're in an environment where there may be um, rival gangs that are going to test you. And I understand that. Right. And that's a really difficult situation to be in. And you're, yeah. trying to get, you're trying to get away from that lifestyle, right? So certainly they, do, they, are, they are confronted with guys testing their manhood uh, a, a lot more than I do by far. But at the same time, and I just know this from working with them uh, and working with people who've been in this for decades, that the vast majority of time, you don't have to resort to violence, right. like 99% of the time. And so I think personally, it is the same with witchcraft or with the occult practice. The vast majority of time, you don't have to resort to hexing. You don't have to resort to uh, putting a curse on someone. You can find other ways to deal with it. If you have to confront the person and and and, and communicate with them as a as a grown up, you know, as someone who's mature, that's really the best way to deal with it. And then, if you need to deal, you know, if a person needs to deal with their own issues of resentment, they need to do that, you know.
0: Well, there's that, you know, Victor Frankl thing about, you know, uh, enlightenment is the true measurement of enlightenment is how one reacts. Right. And it's like, to me, that might be an ingrained hex. Like you were, you were fucking, you were ingrained with this machismo or this bravado that is going to just fuck your life up caring about it. That's, that's a, that's a hex. You got ex hex, you know, <laughs> like, right, right. it's, it's just going to get you in trouble.
1: That you actually bring up a great point is that a lot of times the worst sort of uh, curses or hexes that we can have on ourselves are the um, belief systems that we carry around with us.
0: Right. So, and with that said, love chaos can work in conjunction. Like, like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't sublimate uh, a belief system. It actually kind of really works in Congress. Yes. Uh, whatever spiritual practice you have. And it, it doesn't matter. Do you find a lot of pushback from more theological uh, or devouts, I should say, uh, explaining that they can kind of dalliance with uh this heretical nonsense <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> well it's certainly you know um you know uh, uh it definitely i think i think it 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 really it really is there's a lot of things i don't like about modern times but one of the things is is that um we can kind of believe whatever we want and we live in a time where people can choose to identify themselves as however they want, and they can believe whatever they want, as long as they're not doing harm to other people. So one of the things that has benefited me in creating Love Chaos at this time, is that even when people really disagree, like really disagree with what I'm trying to do, they kind of hold themselves back, because they realize that that's not the accepted way of being these days. Mm. Like, you know, the, the accepted way of being these days is to be like, oh, well, that's your thing, you know, um, because I'm not trying to convert other people. So they know that, and I'm very understanding of other people's belief systems. So, uh, you know, there have been people who have reacted in a, in a, in a negative way for sure, but I think for the most part, I've been quite, actually quite surprised that, um, most people it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting you know um other people get into a deeper but i really haven't had like truly violent reactions to it you know
0: so and you're you're actually implementing it you had told me earlier today that it's uh you know there's the love chaos dialogues which we have actually had on uh, our last interview uh, right we did one you know recorded and you know put it on patreon or whatever right like how is that going what what's, what is that morphing into like what what do you mean yeah. to do with it?
1: Well, so yeah, that definitely is morphing into, well, something that I was planning on doing uh, anyway a long time ago. Uh, and so I, I really find a lot of value in what's in group work. And, and, and I like one-on-ones, like the, the dialogues uh, has been, have been great. You know, and, and it, a lot of times I think that it can happen in ways where you're not expecting it to happen. Um, that's really where they benefit but I, I, I wanted to do something uh, where was more structured and with more and multiple people. And so in the book that came out last year, uh, Love, Chaos and Theory and Practice in the second chapter, there's a, I discussed uh, um, two different formats for group work. And uh, this is something that I'm going to be doing on zoom uh, starting in August. And it's they're peer to peer, which means that um, you know, so I'll be facilitating these, group, these meetings uh, online, but it's not, I'm not doing it from the perspective of, uh, of a professional. I am not charging people for it. I am not saying that I have a PhD in this, that, whatever. I have, I have, I have quite a bit of experience in group work as a professional and in my personal life.
0: You but- don't have a PhD in energy medicine?
1: No, no. <laughs> One of the things that I really valued about uh, uh, the 12 Steps, and that also an alternative to, to the 12 Steps, which I, I participate in, which is called SOS, uh, Secular Organizations for Sobriety, which is for everyone. But it's a really a place where people who are either uh, atheists or agnostic can be comfortable in. Uh, because the 12 Steps is a spiritual program. Uh, however you want to look at it, you have to be spiritual. So SOS is an alternative to that, and there's other ones too. Uh, Refuge Recovery, which is a Buddhist form, Smart Recovery, which is another secular organization. And so I've done all these and other ones, and I've really enjoyed them. And they're all peer to peer, so they're all you know basically people struggling with issues, mostly addiction, helping out other people who are struggling with the same issues. And, um, and with with these Love Chaos groups, there'll be there'll be there's two different kinds. There's one called love chaos catharsis and where there's no feedback people get to express themselves without feedback and there's love chaos dialogues so we've had dialogues and i've done dialogues a number of times with people uh it was just one-on-ones but these are dialogues and group work and the dialogues encourage feedback and people to have a back and forth so there'd be two different kinds of groups and um so they're so it, it there's a real magic that happens when you have a group of people working together. And and I, I, I benefited tremendously from a professional therapist. I had these two ladies who helped me early on in my uh, uh, sobriety and my recovery. Uh, and they actually were not drug and alcohol counselors, but it didn't matter. They just helped me tremendously. There's real value to professional help and these meetings do not mean to um, substitute professional help, but from my own experiences and from many and from millions of other people's uh, experiences in peer-to-peer groups, there is a real value in one human being helping out another human being, and that they're on equal footing, and that um, some may have more experience and more knowledge and more understanding, could be more helpful than others, but where people can grow together in a group dynamic. Um, so I'm going to be starting those in, uh, in August on Zoom uh, and uh, looking very forward to that. And, uh, you know, it's something that they're different than any other peer-to-peer group as well, which is why I'm doing them.
0: And these are like intended to be a bit more metaphysically open-minded too, right? Yeah. I mean, the SOS is like, yeah, you you know, you're you're spiritual and stuff, but it's not really a huge, uh, you know, uh, I I don't want to say crux that that has like a negative connotation. It's not uh, too involved with, You know the 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 spiritual aspect it's more of just you know you're allowed to be whatever so in my mind love chaos would be more of an open platform for people struggling and uh, needing you know just some vexing uh with the opportunity to kind of talk openly about these metaphysical avenues yeah
1: well, it, well, it, it, it'll be it, yes. It'll be open to a lot of different things. It can be metaphysical. It can be personal, uh, personal struggles that people are having. Uh, but one of the things that's different about Love Chaos um, is going to be that people do not have to identify as being mm. an addict. People do not have to identify as having an issue.
0: Um, it I, is uh, yeah. It's very jarring to have to announce that before a uh, true you know epiphany of it <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah in it, in, in those programs yeah
1: it, it, it it's jarring but it's also too i think one of the things that i i found with being participating in group work was just how beneficial it is for people and i feel like why do people have to have a problem in order to experience this like why i mean people everyone should be having the opportunity to have really authentic genuine group experiences with each other like why do you have to say I have to have a problem I have to have a trauma I have to have an addiction I have to have this in order to have a real genuine experience with other human beings in this kind of way and I think that it it why not just open it so that people I mean if you are struggling with these things this is what the groups are for but if you simply want to participate and want to grow uh and be um like a better human being uh, without having to say, you know, like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm an addict, or I struggle with this or with that. Um, you should have that opportunity to participate, you know, and uh, it's, um, it's something that, you know, the, 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 meetings will be guided by the principles of love chaos, primarily just because of me, but whoever participates in it, they don't have to be uh, following the path of love chaos. It's can be, it's open to everyone and right. so you know I, I i wanted it to be really open to everyone and having that kind of be the thing because really a lot of times with peer-to-peer support groups it's like everyone's about identifying with people with the exact same issue you know like i'm an alcoholic i'm not i don't want to be in a meeting with crystal meth addicts
0: right you know? or there's like some hierarchy imposed or something oh, that that is yeah. too yeah well, you know, and this is its funny, we share this very much, you know, uh, with the work with, you know, We the Hallowed and like asking people to submit and stuff. It was always about like, and I'm going to use the C word, forgive me, but it was like, you know, this idea of a, uh, a community of disparate artists, right? It wasn't right. Like, like, the only tether was the want to uh, kind of investigate metaphysical ideas for, <clears throat> you know, through their art or whatever that was it it had nothing to do with like you know creating a current or like you know imposing some sort of uh you know a tenant that was you know very rigid or anything and so i always i always love this and i think both of us are going to forever kind of tangle with this idea that it can happen you can have a group of harmonious individuals that are completely themselves right <laughs> you know? right like that's the idea yeah but it's also
1: (laughs) sorry yeah oh no go ahead
0: oh i was just gonna say i was gonna change the subject a little bit if you had something
1: oh yeah just just i one thing i noticed about when i got into the occult world was this idea that um people were really uh really um, big on being themselves right and really want like i I like that i was like here this is you know a lot of people who are just doing their own thing, and um, and and not feeling the need to fit in, and uh, and certainly there are elements of people wanting to fit in and be a part of something for sure, you know, but for the most part, what I what I felt early on in my experiences with the occult, uh, and then continue to feel that way, is that it, most people who are into the occult are real um, are real you know outsiders in a lot of ways. And they really do want to do their own thing. And I think that's cool, you know, and and at the same time, they want to connect with other people and, and have some connection, you know, and, and again,
0: there's both, you know,
1: yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of egos, there's a lot of phoniness, there's a lot of bullshit in the occult world. Well,
0: there's a big upheaval too, about creating your own thing. A lot of it is, you know, here are these tried and true, you know, testaments of, uh, practice like don't fuck with them just keep them going which, right well i think
1: you know. i think that's to be expected i think it's because it's a reaction to chaos magic you know yeah. i think that, that in recent decades there's been this sort of turn towards tradition
0: chaos and, but, magic even became a tradition right You know. i yeah. mean
1: yeah it's certainly <laughs> it yeah it's something that um it's like postmodernism. you know it's like after you what do you do after postmodernism? you know <laughs> And so it's like, you know, a lot of people just go back to like old ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, but just going back to what you were talking about with in terms of creating a a community, right, which, again, like the C word uh, was not something that I liked before. And I've I've grown to like now. Um, But it, it, uh, I think, you know, uh, 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 we we can grow together. Uh, we don't have to, we can, we, we don't have to sell ourselves uh, uh, um, shorts. We don't have to be um, sellouts uh, in order to connect with other people. You know, we don't have to, we don't have to sell our souls to other people, to, to institutions or to organizations or to anything. We can still be true individuals and find our, 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 our human family, you know, the greater family. And yeah. uh, and I, I think that uh, to me, like 20 years ago, I I wouldn't have believed that, but nowadays I do, and I think that it it I think there's there's some real value, you know, to people wanting to connect.
0: You know, you had mentioned to kind of circle around, and then I've been really bad with considering the chat, so we'll do that after this. But I think this oh yeah, I first,
1: forgot about that. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> this is a perfect roundabout about you saying that you know service was so uh, important to your recovery and stuff. And I, I feel like service is important to your magical practice too. Thus the books. Yes. You know, thus, thus the dialogues. Thus the uh you know thus love chaos. And I was wondering like, yeah, when did when when does that become uh uh amorphous enough to allow others to kind of come in and come out and instead of you know just kind of waiting at the lunch line, and no one wants your chili. you know what I mean
1: <laughs> so you're saying
0: so like uh you know service is very important, and you've you've instituted yourself in a a serviceable arena within like your recovery and your somatic self right right when does love chaos become like it just paramount to doing it to to being serviceable of the of the you know metaphysical
1: well. Certainly. I mean, uh, I think being in service to other, other people um, is, really, uh, is really key. Um, I think it, it is something that is certainly not uh, uh, exclusive to love chaos at all whatsoever. I think that's the thing that you can find in, in most traditions and most belief systems, most religions, most spiritual practices, is this idea, this notion of helping out other people. Um, and, and as a way to help yourself you know and uh, and I really feel that, um, it, that there's a reason for that and why that that is so f- commonly found in from belief system to belief system is that it's just it's part of who we are um, you know if we look back at our our ancestors you know we survived by working together uh, against animals that were far more you know uh, fiercer than we, we are we were and, stronger faster or whatnot and if we had uh, just been a, a isolated group of people and not worked with each other we wouldn't be here where we are right now we would have died off and uh so I think that's a really common thing I think in terms of of of, of love chaos uh is that um is this idea that it, it, since the love cast is uh, is so I really try hard not for I don't want it to be dogmatic and I want a lot of freedom for people. Um, the but the the real notion of love, I think in a lot of times love is a feeling, but it's an action. And one of the best ways for love to be, uh, acted is to, by helping other people. And, uh, and, and through the actions of helping other people, you're making love a reality and not just a feeling and not just an idea.
0: Right, that's yeah, that's, that's beautifully poignant. I'm going to, unfortunately try to go through the chat and look at things that Sure, are, i'm
1: curious who's there
0: oh there was michelle embry Na, navier alora Navier, i'm excuse me if i'm pronouncing that wrong Jonaside was here um we had uh sam shadow helen dion uh amanda oh, okay. pomander like it's it's been pretty active and i'm terrible at checking it's yeah. i get, I get so enthused with the conversation that i forget
1: I know it's hard. yeah, it, uh, Helen Dion, that's my son's mom.
0: Oh, beautiful.
1: Yeah. I, I I invited uh, people that I know to uh, check it out if they wanted to. So I was curious.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, she said she had to leave, but she said, thanks Derek for sharing, uh, and your wisdom. Peace out. Oh, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've known her for a long time. 20. That's really
0: sweet. 23
1: years. Yeah. We've, we've gone through a lot.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, Yeah, and then, like, I I feel terrible going back to points that we made, you know, 30 minutes ago. But uh, let's see. uh, uh, The pursuit of authenticity is a worthy venture, says Navier. Navier, I feel terrible if I'm mispronouncing that. I
1: wonder who that Uh, is. Yeah.
0: Um, And then uh, there was some good ones. Sam uh, had a really sweet thing saying, Derek has a good way of looking at, you know, what you were talking about with hexes and that uh hexes have their place but they shouldn't be something people do for petty reasons which yeah right right and then everyone says you know oh niche is here oh niche josh pablo um cool yeah so if any of you in the chat have anything to ask mr Derek hunter about love chaos about his new grimoire uh the end of the world you know please uh don't hesitate to put it in the chat we'll be kind of winding down here um I just want to say that, you know, the see, being privy to the evolution of what love chaos has been in print has been, you know, one of my great, uh, uh, you know, I, how do I put it? not, not achievements because it makes it sound like I did a lot of work, but it's been one of my, you know, great, uh, 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 collaborations of somebody's really good work, you know, And uh, I want to thank you very much for allowing me to write the forewords for the last two books. It's been truly an honor. Let's just say that.
1: (laughs) Well, really, uh, to be honest with you, Keats, you know, um, and you know this from when I, when I met you in person, you and Mary at that uh, deli, Mm
0: -hmm. which,
1: uh, which my former student. So uh, for people who know uh, Keats and I and Mary met downtown LA and, 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 at a a deli where one of my former students, a guy who uh, had committed murder as a teen had spent, uh, uh, I think, 15 years in prison and come out. And he found a job working at a deli in in downtown LA. And uh, I decided that we could have a meal there, uh, the three of us. And uh, at that time in my life, I was telling Keats that I didn't think I I actually wanted to um, write this book. Not this current book, but the one that came out last year, Love, Chaos, and Theory in Practice. Because at the time, I felt it was just too self-helpy, too straightforward, too simple. Just, you know, you know, I, I, I just didn't feel it at the time. And, uh, you know, it, um, I don't know. I think I just needed to have someone like yourself be able to say that to and, and, and get your response to that. And just even seeing the look on your face, I could see that it was something that uh, there was some disappointment. Uh, it when just I was just
0: sheer horror. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And um, you know, it, in, in in so my, in so many ways, you know, uh, uh, you've been a big part of this last couple of years of of love chaos. Really, um, you know, developing and 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 growing and finding a way to express itself in a, in a really a, a, a really a, how could I say a, a real uh, um, way that it can reach other people and it really way to make it a real thing and not just something that was in my head that I had some ideas about, but it was actually something that could be real for other people. And, um, you know, that's why I turned to you both the last time and this time is that like, you know, uh, there's, I I honestly cannot think, you know, um, of anyone else that would be a better person to be associated with these books. You know, honestly, you know, and it's like, uh, if I, was a world famous like author and had access and like any writer wanted to write a forward to my book. I honestly don't think that anyone else would be better than you, you know, and, uh, and a lot of it has to do with our relationship and our friendship, right. you know, and, and for me, friendship is very valuable. Um, and it's something that you know, I learned from my, my dad, but also friends that I have is that, uh, it grows over time and that, um, uh, real true friendship is something that, um, that evolves and has ways of uh, uh, the, the, of connecting. And uh, I think that um, it's our relationship is not just a professional one or a creative mm-hmm. one. It's a, it's a personal one, you know, and I think that really is what, what makes your uh, input in, into love chaos uh, really, really uh, important, you know, and uh, um, just going back to like, what you talked about at the beginning and what I talked about is, be living a life of authenticity, and for me, I want to surround myself, or is spend my, spend time with people who are authentic, who are interesting, and, uh, and you are one of those people, you know, and I, I, I love people who are going to give me something, not in terms of what I'm going to get out of them, in terms of, like, a a career, or status, or money, but what I'm going to get out of them in terms of their spirit and their character and their personality. And, um, you know, again, going back to my dad, you know, he taught me that he died poor, you know, Mm -hmm. he he died because he couldn't afford health insurance. This was before Obamacare of a brain aneurysm that he would have survived from if he had uh, medical uh, attention, you know, but he died poor, but he was a really happy dude and he was happy because he made his life rich and he made his life rich with with his interactions with other people. And uh, I'm still learning to be as genuine as he was. And, uh, you know, uh, 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 again, it's just, you know, your participation in these books and me knowing you has been uh, really key in me continuing to be motivated to do these things.
0: Um, ditto, absolutely yeah. ditto. Also, yeah. you know, like to me, like, love chaos is the definition of prag magic that's like exactly what I had been talking about or it's like very similar, yeah. thinking about you know what I mean it's the right. but also it, like you also- and Derek I celebrate you just as a human being like I, I talk about you all the time as one of the few that dips into this shit you know creates something as wondrous and thorough as this but also you know walks the walk you, you literally help you know people you know day-to-day day. it's not just some afterthought you know after uh, right I, I don't know to me that's like that's something I, I aspire to absolutely so it's it's been my my pleasure
1: well i think you're i think you're about to you're already well you already have been embarking on that in your own path but you're gonna i think um in your own way what you're now doing with the divergent magic is something that is going to be a crystallization of your ideas and your experiences you know, and I, I look forward to seeing what you're, you're going to do with that. I really enjoyed what you started with that.
0: Thank you. I'm going to blame you if it totally tanks. And
1: Yeah, please do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but yeah, that's, you know, I, I think about you a lot when it comes to that, because this is, this divergent magic is absolutely about like, you know, dealing with, you know, addiction and, and redemption and uh, brain chemistry, all of these, you know, kind of, spirits that we kind of have to commune with and I, I pick up a lot of that from love chaos in the sense that it's not about banishing it's about being in congress you know right right and I, I think that's definitely. the most important thing for sure definitely. well i just i do want to mention though josh pablo says that they're celebrating nine months of sobriety today and, oh, nice. and he says that you are one of the people i've looked up to throughout my life
1: Wow. Oh oh Josh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, Josh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he yeah. No, he's he's you know, amazing, amazing human being. And uh he uh is, is a really strong human being and uh someone that you know has meant a lot to me. Uh he is basically like a son to me. You know, I've been there for him. Uh he is my, my son's older brother. And, uh, I've known him since him and his sister, since they were one, I met them on their first birthday.
0: Oh, that's Um, wonderful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's a great guy, very talented. And, uh, whatever he decides to do with his life, I know he's going to be amazing. And, uh, I I'm really, uh, glad to be a part of his life. And I'm really happy that he's, he's doing really well right now in his life.
0: Josh, that that's, it's good to meet you. And like, uh, yeah, you couldn't have a better guiding light, honestly. Um, Niche says this is why I totally admire Derek. Uh, yeah, oh, so yeah, it's just it's just a love it. fest.
1: Oh, well, you guys <laughs> are making me blush.
0: <laughs> oh, with that said, um, you know the the book is available on Amazon. I'll put a link in the uh, in the chat, or at least in the um, you know the 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 info of the video. Uh, what's coming up next, Derek? Obviously, there's the Love Chaos Group that you're going to start in August?
1: Yes. Yes. Well, so is there anything for, else? Well, yeah, definitely for people, you know, uh, 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 check out the book. It's super cheap. You can get the print book at six bucks. Uh, Kindle it's 99 cents. You know, I'm not looking to make money off this thing. All my books are on Kindle for 99 cents, including the book for 50 bucks, uh, which has had to be 50 bucks because it's big and got pretty pictures in it, you know? Um, so, you know, I really do encourage people, so people watching this, uh, whether it's now or in the future, you know, if you practice magic, you know, I really want people to start to consider, you know, our our window of opportunity for surviving as a species is getting smaller and smaller uh, year by year. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, start thinking about, well, I have my magical practice. uh, How could I possibly use it in a way where I could you know, do my part uh, to, you know, work with spirits, work with entities or however you, whatever you do to try to influence the, the possibility that we uh, will survive and, and evolve too. Um, so this is a, um, it's a very personal book. It's very much about my own practice and my own, again, that it, it, all the details that go into it, all the things that go into it, my own way of being. So it's very personal but it also is uh, to me in a good way, preachy and trying to get people to act, to do something, you know. Um, And I think it can open a lot of doors too in terms of what people can do with magic so that it can, you know, uh, it really hopefully will encourage people to to explore that. You know, so that's really I'm hoping the book will do. Um, So in addition to the book, will be these Love Chaos groups on Zoom and I'll be announcing that. Uh, there'll be probably twice a month, uh, every other week. So for each kind of meeting, it'll be once a month. So I'll be doing that and I'll be uh, go, I'll be telling the details about the when and the where and how uh, very soon, but they will start in, in August. And again, everyone is invited. You can check it out. You don't have to have a problem, you don't, but if you do, you're more than welcome. Uh, it's for everybody. And uh, I think that human beings, we we now more than ever have the uh, need to connect because we're now isolating from each other uh, and we need to find ways to connect. And these love chaos groups just provide another avenue for connection uh, for people.
0: And I think this is, uh, this is a, a prime example of what I've been railing against with the idea of therapy and people that haven't gone through the muck and mire telling you how to you know, tune or normalize, and uh, I I have yet to meet someone as uh, you know fervently experienced or fervently uh, you know honest, whilst being completely unjudgmental as as Derek Hunter. So I love you, Derek. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Keith. That's very very sweet of you to say that. Thank you, and I well, love I'm you. just you.
0: a sweet tart yeah (laughs) thank you for yeah being a part of this i'll have the audio podcast out soon uh please i put in the chat check out his book i put love chaos in in the chat as well check out the website um and yeah uh with that said thank you for such a wonderful end to my sunday and uh you know haunt on
1: thank you keith thank you so much